the sermon title is Revive Us God. And I know that you are cornerstone, and I know that the Spirit of God moves, but you know, when it comes to revival, we cannot have enough. We're talking about revival personally, uh, revival in our homes, in our, in our small groups, revival in sectors of the church, revival in everywhere we go, everywhere we touch. And you know, maybe there's a reason why I'm here on the 10th year, uh, where Brian Bailey, Dr. Brian Bailey, impacted uh, the church, because I, I just want to be here, like just a small piece to reignite something, to speak into something that would hopefully impact us. So this is what I'm going to do. Would you lift up your hands to the Lord right now? We're going to ask God to move. Can you just sense the Spirit even now? Just lift up your hands. And would you say this after me? Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Come into our lives. Change us completely. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Father, we give you thanks right now. May your word go forth in these precious moments. May it stir something, revive something, just spark something in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's get going, okay? Uh, so there's four areas I want to talk about, and I've got five minutes each. So let's really get going. The first one, revive our faith in Christ alone. Now, I'm 44 years old this year. I've been in church since day one. My dad started the church lighthouse and... You know, I was forced to church like every pastor's kid until I had a personal encounter. At 15 years old, I encountered the Lord and I started serving in the worship ministry, playing keyboards every single week without fail, Saturday service, Sunday service. I loved it. I enjoyed it. You sense the anointing of God. Many times you hear wonderful miracles, signs and wonders. I'll be just playing the keyboard, just weeping before the Lord, amazed, very stunned by Him. But somewhere along the line in our Christian faith though, with so much distractions and so many temptations and many things just thrown at us, we sometimes forget that the church is supposed to be about Jesus. Now, of course, the Holy Spirit, of course, Father God, but the central person in the church is Christ. That's why the Father sent him to show us the path, to show us the way, to identify with us, to be our king and priest, to be our Lord and Savior. And we need to look at one verse right now. And this is something that spoke to me some years back. 1 Corinthians 2, to check it out. Paul says, For I've decided to know nothing among you. This is talking to the church of Corinth, except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Do you know what an incredible statement that is? Paul is saying, I don't want to know anything. Don't tell me about the weather in Corinth. Don't tell me about what you buy, the purple cloth. You Don't tell me of all this cultural stuff. I want to know one thing and one thing alone. I'm determined to put my heart, my soul, my mind, everything into this person called Jesus. And of course, we know he met God on the road to Damascus, but you know what I'm saying? Even for the best of us, you could be a leader, you could be a pastor, you could be a staff, you could be a missionary. Hey, someone of you watching online right now, you could be any part in the world representing Cornerstone, but the truth of the matter is, there's something that we need to be always brought back to who Jesus is. You know, you had Peter with Jesus for three years, denied Christ, and then you remember the restoration part? It was so precious because we know that Peter loves Jesus, but Jesus has a way to remind him, to say, do you really love me? Is it really about me that you join in this whole thing? Are you just here for the revolution, Peter? Are you, 
Are you just here because it's a religious affair and you know, people are amazed by the work of God, by the Holy Spirit? Or are you here for more? And we know Peter's heart was breaking. And he said, you know all things, Lord. You know I love you. But why was that so critical? I believe it's to centralize back to the fact that, Peter, I called you to the ministry. I want it to be about me. You can't have it about anything else. You've got to shift it back to me. And folks, I, I, I've, you know, if I could go on on just this point alone, we could go for hours. But I need you to hold intention with me on this. You say, Pastor Pesa, I know that the Christian faith is about Christ. Without Christ, there's no Christianity. Without Jesus, there's no reason for the church of Jesus anywhere around the world. Right? Think about it. One billion people around the globe are celebrating the Lord's Day today. But the problem we face is, can be diverted. Do we resolve to know Jesus and nothing but Jesus? Do we resolve to make it about our Savior, Jesus? Um, in my own life, I try to remember it's about Jesus. We come on Sunday, we preach about Jesus, we sing about Jesus, we talk about Jesus. And then something along the way can happen. Lukewarmness comes in. Anyone? Discouragement comes in. We make it about something else. Sometimes we make it about a person. You know, even we loving certain ministers of God, we can't make it about that person. We can honor that person, but reverence only goes to Jesus. Can someone say a good amen? Like, for instance, all of us honor Pastor Young, great man of God. We honor the pastors here, Pastor Dean, Pastor Lip, Pastor Kevin, and so on, right? We honor them, but we don't want to make the mistake of revering the man of God. We want to only give Christ that preeminent place. Would you join me in prayer for this right now? Could you close your eyes right now? I'm just going to pray a simple prayer, four prayers and all. Father, revive our faith in Christ alone. Lord, we don't want to make it about the mission. We don't want to make it about whales. <laughs> we don't want to make it about our next cell outing. We don't want to make it about even a wonderful man or woman of God. We want to make it about Jesus. Lord, you called us to the cross. We want to make it about you. And all of us say, amen. Second point, write this down. Revive our courage to stand for God. My gosh, this doesn't take hours, right? Now, Pastor Yang speaks very boldly to the point that myself and other pastors in Singapore, we are looking at him as a trailblazer for someone that speaks unabashedly, unapologetically, speaks truth. And it rubs off many of us, like I met different Cornerstonians, and some of you are very bold, awesome. Here's the point, though, we are living in a very, very last days, like we are really in the tail end, folks. There's no doubt about it. You can do your research. We are really at the tail end right now. It wouldn't surprise me that in our lifetime, we would see the return of Jesus. Now, honestly, 20 years ago, I wouldn't say that. Like, I didn't even know that it's possible to see the Antichrist when I was 24 years old. Now I'm 44 years old and I look at the state of the world and I say, oh my gosh, it really could happen. We could really be on the cups of the end of the end of the end. And it's going to be harder for us Christians, right? Right now it's awesome. We can still gather, celebrate, enjoy, rejoice. It's going to come a time where it's going to be hard-pressed. And whatever we gain right now is to help us to store for the future. It's like the seven years of harvest to the time of lean years. And now it's harvest time, right? 
Now we are like rejoicing. Praise God. Many churches can gather. Praise the Lord. Wonderful cell meetings now on Facebook and social media. You're seeing a lot of, all of us, right? We're meeting for cell outings after two years. My gosh, awesome stuff. But a day will come. It's not about COVID, right? It's going to come persecution and a lot of pressure. World governments, one world government. There's going to be a lot of things that's going to come our way that will potentially discourage and dissuade us. And we say, you know, I don't know whether in the Bible there was ever a season like this. There was many seasons, like the exile, for instance. But I'm just going to look at one example. First Kings 18.21. Check it out. This is something we know so well, but it's amazing. It says here, Elijah came near to all the people and said, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. Notice the last line. What does it say? And the people did not answer him a word. Do you know why? Because for the last three years, there was a famine that was brought about by drought. Literally, Elijah, on behalf of the Holy Spirit, prayed that rain would cease over the land of Israel. Now, if I put it in context, Israel would be followers of God. And therefore, if we put in a modern-day vernacular, they would be Christians of today. So imagine rain stop for all of us Christians. And here comes this bold prophet that we might, like King Ahab, look at him as a troublemaker. King Ahab said, you troublemaker! And Elijah says, I'm not the troublemaker. You are the one, King Ahab. You have stopped the worship of God in the house of God. And the stoppage of rain is a signal of God's hand with help of his glory and provision. That will happen, folks. And so the people can look at Elijah as a either revolutionist for the Lord, a prophet, oracles of God, or they could see him as a troublemaker like King Ahab. And notice that Elijah comes not against the Antichrist or non-believers. Notice what he is here to do. He speaks to the people of God. This, by the way, was just moments before the challenge at Mount Carmel. So he's challenging hundreds of false prophets, Jezebel's prophets. Think about that. Just one solitary man, literally like against the whole world, fighting against falsehood, but also trying to stir the hearts of people that once said they believe in God. When I look at this story, I said, God, I'm so ashamed. Would I, would I dare put myself out there in such a way? It's not just going against falsehood, you know, you know what I mean? Like any one of us could tweet something like, this is wrong, this is right. It's not hard to do that until backlash comes. It's not hard to do that until you realize you're losing your job, you're losing your friends, you're losing your, you're just losing everything. And Elijah comes, and before he challenges the prophets that are false, he challenges God's people. Hey, do you guys remember a time where we made it about God? Do you remember a time where the rain of God fell? Do you remember a time where there was the tabernacle? Do you remember a time where God moved during Moses' generation? Do you remember a time? Would you go back to that place where God is God? Or are you going to slide away and worship the false god of Baal. You say, Pastor, there's no Baal right now. It's true. But there's money, there's sex, there's power, there's entertainment. There's a lot of false gods parading even in Christian churches everywhere, promising us something that God did not really say. Just one quick example. 
Money is not a problem, but the Bible says love of money is the problem. See, money is a tool, but when we love it, the Bible says it leads us to different pangs and pain. It is so true. Everything can be good for the use of the church until it becomes gone. We can make anything deified. And Elijah comes and says, it's time to make God God again. Don't you agree, people? Sadly, at this point, the people's mouth is shut. So let's try it out in Cornerstone, okay? No one feel embarrassed. No one feel embarrassed. Is Jesus the Son of God in this house? Can someone say a good amen? amen. Come on, can someone say a good amen? amen? Is God God of Cornerstone? Amen. If He is, come on, give the Lord praise in this place. Come on. <laughs> One statement we'll pray. It's going to come a time where our metal is going to be put to the test. Our faith, our actions are going to be really put to the test. It's no longer going to just be, I believe in Jesus, but literally our life depends on whether we hold on to that truth. Would you pray with me, Father? Father, help us, oh God. I know, I admire Elijah because he was a man that stood for truth. He could be killed. He could die. He could lose face, but he stood with courage. And Father, I pray for all of us, help me, help us to stand courageous in times of adversity. In Jesus' name, let all of us say amen. Two more points, 10 more minutes. Are we doing okay? Okay, let's go. Point C, write this down. Revive our zeal to win the lost. This is so difficult to preach without feeling guilt, right? So I'm not going to go the guilt path. You know, guiltiness only can do something so, so much, right? Like, you know, I grew up in church all my life, so I know how guilt works. <laughs> you know, like, give money or you're robbing Jesus, right? You know, that whole deal. And that's, there's some truth to that, but you know, guilt only lasts for so long. Like, for instance, for me, food is a problem. So my wife is here, she knows. Sometimes when my children are sleeping and my wife is in bed, I will crawl, not, not crawl, but I would tiptoe to the fridge. That's about 10 p.m. And there was once or twice my wife caught me, but I'm quite good at being a cat burglar, so I just crawled to the fridge. And I saw when I opened one day, beautiful triple-deck stacked chocolate cake. My gosh. Sorry, sorry if you're hungry, but you can eat after this service. But, and then I was going to take it out, and then my wife came from behind, tapped on me. Like, it's like I was completely shocked out of my mind. She just, oh, okay, okay, what are you doing? Wow, you know, completely shocked, you know. Uh, we all have zeal for different things. We all have uh, a sense of uh, passion for different things. And the truth is, when we talk about reviving our zeal to win the loss, guilt won't cut it. Like, I felt guilty for eating the chocolate cake. And maybe for the next week, I would try to cut down, right? But then again, once guilt goes away, it's just open season. In the same way, I don't want us to, to feel guilt. Like, this is not how it works. For instance, you don't want a preacher that says, how many people do you win for Jesus? And then after that, you feel like all the condemnation come. Doesn't work. Let's look at what Paul says though. Let's be inspired by something really positive. Check it out. 1 Corinthians 9, 22-23. I want you to see the words of Paul. It's so awesome. He says, to the weak, I became weak that I might win the weak. I've become all things to all people that by all means, I might save some. Let's pause there for a moment. That is so awesome. When I read this, I'm so humbled by it. 
Because I'm not thinking about being all things to all men. You know what I'm saying? Now, this doesn't mean you have a character deficiency or you become bipolar or you become an extremist. This, Paul is not saying you become schizophrenia. Paul is saying he wants to be able to relate to everyone that comes in his way for the sole purpose of leading them to Jesus. And we all understand, today we don't have time to do a workshop on how to do that, but you get my point. Like wherever you go, there is always a start-off point, whether you're sitting in a grab taxi, ordering food from a hawker auntie, there's always a connection point where you could talk about Jesus somehow. Hey, you want to hear the gospel? Let me give you a one-minute gospel. You go into it. We are all sinners, we, we are terrible, you know. But Jesus came and there's ways to intersect faith with the secular. There's ways to talk about Jesus and the gospel wherever we are. And I know the pushback. I understand that we don't want to tell people sometimes because we don't want to be known in a certain way. But let's be humbled by Paul. Look at what he says, verse 23. There's a reason. He says, I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in his blessings. What is Paul saying? I was once a Pharisee, man. Like I was once a stoner of Christians. I approve of Stephen's death. I, I'm one who's so zealous in fighting Cornerstone. I'm one that's so zealous in fighting the church. I'm one that hates anything that Jesus represents until I met him. Right? And then his life is like, it's about Jesus. And then he goes berserk in a good way. And everywhere he goes, he's preaching in the synagogues, in the temples, in small groups. Everywhere he goes, he's telling them, hey, do you know who Jesus is? He goes for it, man. Why? Because he knows that people are lost without hope. He knows that Judaism won't cut it. He knows that all sorts of stuff is not going to cut it, but people need to know who Jesus is, the gospel that saves. And this is something I know as a pastor, right? But I need to be refreshing it, folks. I really need it. And if you're honest, you need it too. Because there's people that we are looking every single day that they bypass us because now they become part of the furniture. But we forget they are living, breathing souls that if they do not have Jesus, have no eternal hope. So we got to be rekindled. Lord, help me to do it for the sake of the gospel. Would you join me in prayer for this? Third prayer. To revive our zeal to win the lost. Father, help us. Lord, we don't want to have guilt, but we want to be stirred. We want to be challenged. Our neighbors, our friends, our dads, our moms, our cousins, there are people we meet every single day. We open up our WhatsApp. There are so many people we know that do not know the love of Jesus. Father, would you stir something in us? Revive our passion to win the lost and to do it for your sake and your glory. In Jesus' name, and all of us say, amen. As we said this prayer, do you not just sense another wave of the Holy Spirit come? final point and then we will call for a time of ministry revive our passion to build each other up now in the church of jesus christ fractures always happen you know I, I in the past i did a study on all the different denominations presbyterian you know uh, baptist uh, methodist and so on and always at a certain point there was beautiful unity and when unity came god's people took up the challenge, took up the mandate, and went forth. Like, the expansion of God's work happened through the unity of God's people. But unity doesn't come simply by saying, let's be united. Unity comes by all of us saying, okay, let's build one another up. 
Let's find a way to stir one another's faith. Let's find a way to really make it about the mission and the vision that God has for us here in Cornerstone. Like, how do we, how do, we do this? Like, I know Pastor Young is doing it. I know the pastors and staff are doing it. I know the lay leaders are doing it. But how can it be me as well? How can I be part of this whole unique thing called the church? And you know, with that spirit, you're going to see amazing things continue. Right? Like, God has done amazing things in Cornerstone. But you know what? There's more to come. Amen. There's much more. And I'm not saying this as a guest preacher. I'm saying this because it is very possible that you're going to see God do incredible things even beyond your wildest dreams when there's deep sense of unity, passion, deep sense of building each other up. Check this out. It says in Hebrews 10.24, we know this verse well, right? It says, let us consider how to stir up one another. I love this. In other translations, it talks about how we think about stirring each other. That means encouragement should be intentional. That means that when we meet together for prayer or small groups, right? Like, how are we going to build each other up? Now, I know the fastest way to build each other up is this. Pastor, uh, at the end of the cell group, we have makan session. Awesome. And I like makan like anyone else. But you know, honestly, if we're only there for the makan, let's just throw it away. Let's, let's not even meet. Like, there's no point. Right? I understand the need for food, but we need God's food, right? Men shall not live on bread alone, but from every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What is the word of God coming forth to do? How do we stir one another so that we don't stay dead, but we are alive and well, and we are walking with the Lord, glorifying the Lord, doing what He has called us to do, stirred up with passion for the calling by which the Lord has bestowed us. Like, how is this going to happen? And you know what, friends, let me, let me say this now. This is going to really help. Even if you're not the cell leader, you can start something. Stir up the group together with the cell leader. Stir it up. You don't have to wait for the cell leader. You are stirred up. Stir it up. Speak those words of prophetic words. Speak the words of encouragement. Exhort one another. Build each other up. Why? There's other places in Hebrews. The day of the Lord is coming. We want to have confidence in the church again. We want to revive one another for what God has in store. You know, this is something that is of a passion of mine. And uh, in the place that the Lord has put me in my church, this is something I think about every time I meet different groups. Like, how do we stir one another up? You say, why is that so important, Pastor? When the whole church is on fire, like literally on fire for the Lord, no longer is it about just coming on a Sunday and just doing our religious stuff. It becomes like, God, I'm on vision, I'm on purpose, I'm on mission, I feel caught, I, I, I want to be stirred. And you know what? We want more. If honestly you have been stirred by the Lord before, you don't want it to die. You want to be under that glory cloud, you want to be under that conviction, you want to be under that sense that God is still moving forward with you. Can we say a short prayer on this and then we'll call for a time of ministry? I have one more minute. Wow, I'm doing so well. Honestly, this is awesome. Really awesome. Can we pray now? Father, simple, humble prayer. All of us want to be encouraged, Father. When we go for cell group, when we go for ministry class, when we go for anything, baptism things, when we do different aspects in the church, Lord, we want to be encouraged. We want to know that what we do matter. And Lord, I pray, Lord, there will be such a deep encouragement across the church a unity in the community that we are here to build one another up. It's not about fame. It's not about self-position or preservation. It's about the glory of God and the edification of the saints, all for the purpose 
of seeing God, you move once again. In Jesus' name, and all of us say. I've got, more, I've got 10 more minutes with you, and the Lord can do a lot in 10 minutes. Can I say one quick thing? I'm going I'm to hold a time for ministry. Could I ask you to all stand, please? Would you stand? And those of you that are watching online, would you mind just standing? I know wherever you are is comfortable. Let's get uncomfortable for a minute. Just stand where you are. Now listen to me quick, okay? This is so key. This is so key. Remember earlier on, you heard that Pastor Yang was so impacted when there was an intersection with his ministry and Brother Bailey's ministry. At a certain point in time, at a certain hour, at a certain juncture, you have to say, God, you have to meet me. Now, now hear, me, hear me on this before you, you think I'm sound crazy. Of course, the Lord meets us every single Sunday, right? Two or more gathered in His name. Here He is in the midst of us. Of course, He's with us, Pastor. You know, there's a sense where we can sense God, but there's a difference between sensing God and truly knowing Him and, and truly inhabiting all He has for us, truly being so stirred that you are going to say, today is the last day of my former life. I'm never, 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 never going to be the same again. Today, oh God, meet me or I die. Today, oh God, stir me, oh God. Forgive the sins of my forefathers. Forgive my sins. Forgive the generation's sins down the line. You have been good. You have been gracious. But stir me again, oh God. Move me again to have compassion, oh God. Stir me. Meet me today. I'm not going to leave until you meet me. And you know, there comes a time with every Christian where we have on the road to Damascus or the Pernell experience or maybe you're hearing a clarion call from Elijah of old and you're saying, choose God or Baal? I thought I'd been choosing God. And then the Spirit stirs, you have been choosing me, but you have not been truly walking in your destiny. You have not been truly plowing ahead. You have not been preparing the ground and breaking the fallow ground. You have not been paving the way for others. You've and then there's a stirring. It's not guilt, it's, it's a stirring. It's like, God, I want to do more not to save myself. I want to do more because you did it all. I want to do more. I'm stirred. And we have some time now for us to respond. Can we all lift up our hands in this place? I don't think I'm going to call an order call because there's no time, but stay where you are and God can meet us wherever we are. You know, as the worship team leads us into this song, I want you to sense what the Spirit of God is saying. We need a fresh wind. We need a fresh touch. We need a fresh move of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus. You've just listened to a production of Cornerstone Community Church. Please note that all unauthorized reproduction, distribution, or sale of the recording is prohibited. For permission to reproduce or distribute the sermon, please write into mail at cscc.org.sg. We hope that you have been blessed.